This is the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and a grateful recovering alcoholic. This podcast has served to break the silence of my own suffering, to both save myself from a relapse after becoming visually impaired from my stroke, and to reach others that are suffering in silence. Thank you for helping me stay sober and channel my energy to make a positive impact in the world. Our topic today is about how our behaviors impact others. And so we'll start off with talking about emotional sobriety. So part of being emotionally sober is developing, mending, and nurturing our relationships. And through working the steps of my sobriety program, I am learning, you know, I'm never going to say I learned like it's past tense because I'm always going to be learning how to embrace vulnerability and lean into the uncomfortable. And leaning into the uncomfortable is something that I'm starting to get better at, but I'm not perfect at it, you know, Um, and that's what we're here for. Progress, not perfection. One of the things that I'm really challenged by is if I know that somebody is upset with me or I may not even know that they're upset with me, but there's something not right. Like, I can tell that there's something not right. I will avoid that person. Um, And instead, what I should be doing is leaning in to that discomfort and reaching out to that person. And I don't have to, you know, be prepared for conflict I am going to clean my side of the street. I'm addressing, is there, is there anything we need to talk about? Are you okay? Um, but it's not necessarily that I'm walking into a battle, you know? And that's what I would always think was, okay, if I just stay away from this person that I don't have to confront, confront the big C word, um, confront the situation. And that seems very aggressive. And I am the first person to admit, like, I hate conflict. So what I have learned over time, or I am learning, look, I just did it. I said it in past tense. What I am learning is how to really understand or believe, truly believe that everything that I'm addressing that may be uncomfortable does is not conflict, you know, that there's a difference and that there's a way to even address conflict in a very calm and loving way. So the only way that I can be 
authentic is to let that discomfort live, you know, on my surface, on my skin so people can see it. And yes, I worry that I'm going to get hurt when I wear my emotions on my sleeves. But I find that um, if I'm vulnerable like that, other people are way more willing to be vulnerable with me. And honestly, how bad can somebody hurt me if I'm just, you know, showing my vulnerability? I, I don't know. It might be because I've gone through this stroke and um, recovery from alcoholism and I definitely have a different perspective on the importance of things. Like some things that I used to think were so important are I'm just like, really in the whole scheme of things that doesn't really matter. I I tend to be leaning that way a lot these days and uh for better or for worse that's kind of where my where my head has been. So um if you know if I don't do this podcast, if I don't stay vulnerable and talk about all of this stuff publicly, um, I can't do what I'm trying to do here, which is show that, um, that it's okay, like that you're not alone, that you're not unique, I'm not unique, and it is certainly worth a life for me to get vulnerable and uncomfortable and talk about hard stuff. And that's what I'm doing here. And, um, you know, every night before I go to bed, my prayer includes, please remove worry, remorse, or morbid reflection so that I may be of service to you and my fellows. And I've been repeating this to myself for about seven years before I go to bed. And when I started not being able to work because of my disability, I started really living it. When I started this podcast, I started living this, you know, stop being concerned about what people are going to think about what you're doing. Um, I feel thoroughly passionate about the fact that I need to talk publicly about these things because um, if I'm not going to do it around me, who's going to do it? I, I don't know. I don't know. So I know that I can and um, and I just feel very strongly that I have to and I've just uh, been losing too many people around me to keep being silent about how difficult it is to be a recovering alcoholic and now uh, even more so recovering from a stroke as well. So by repeating this part of my prayer, it tempers my fears of being so public about my adversity. And 
and I'm constantly rewarded. Today, I received a message from another woman um, my age-ish, <laughs> you know, about the same age, who also suffered a stroke this year. And I'm hoping that we can chat about our experiences and maybe help one another um, trade notes. And I know firsthand that it's not easy to reach out so I'm just elated that I've been slowly receiving messages from people that are suffering. Um, and, and I hope that anyone listening, if, if you are and you're, you're contemplating reaching out to me, just do it. Just reach out to me. I have a website. You can fill out the contact form or you can send me a message on any of the social media accounts. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And I'd love to chat about what similarities and differences we are experiencing in, um, in our, you know, adversity. So that's why I'm doing this to connect with other survivors and I really see us as all survivors, so those with uh, the disease of alcoholism and those who had a stroke, we're all surviving <laughs> for sure, so please definitely reach out to me if you're thinking about it. So back to the topic at hand, I am learning to be more aware of how my behavior impacts others. When I was drinking, I was sure I was not bothering anyone else. <laughs> you know, I drank by myself in my house. I had my Vela box Chardonnay and I wasn't bothering anyone. That's what I thought. Well, I, I was. I actually was. And um, after I explored in the program my own resentments, I was able to start looking at my role in all of my relationships, relationships. And even if somebody, you know, if I were to run across somebody that I was thinking about um, that wasn't nice to me, was I just a victim? I, you know, when I was drinking, I thought I was a victim in all my relationships. If they went wrong, I was a victim. And then when I got sober, sober, <laughs> I noticed that that was just not the case. You know, I was not a victim. I played a role and I'm learning always how to see my wrongs and admit them to myself and consider how my wrongs have rippled through the lives around me and my attitude this is something that I was really thinking about today, um, and I should have jotted more notes about it than I did, but just how my attitude about life and any, you know, my attitude at work, my attitude at home, my attitude at the grocery store, all that stuff, my attitude, it is affecting the people around me. It is rippling through the people around me. If I go to the store and I'm like super 
cheery and helpful to others and it just comes right back to me. But if I go there and I'm just, uh, which I quite often am, well, I don't go to the store anymore, I should say. So what I'm doing is thinking back to when I did leave the house and go to the store, which was like five months ago. Um, and I would go there and I would just keep to myself and I'm just like, you know, it just, it feels different. And, um, so I, I try, you know, I noticed when I was working, I'm totally going on a tangent, but I noticed when I was working that I talked about this before. If I am, I don't want to say overly friendly, but if I make a real effort to be upbeat and friendly and caring about, you know, a good listener, all of that stuff, it, uh, it comes right back to me. You know, my relationships became so much stronger at work when I started working really hard at being positive at work, um, it really paid off for me. So <laughs> I'm coming back to the topic again. So in the process um, where in my program, I'm looking at my relationships and I'm looking at my role in them, I had to get dirty you know, I had to work with another person who I trusted to review my past. And the person that I trusted was my sponsor. Um, but there are lots of people who they'll go, um, you know, to their church and find somebody that they trust or something like that. It doesn't have to be uh a sponsor. You don't even have to be in the program. You don't even have to be an alcoholic. You know, this stuff works, even if you're not an alcoholic. Um, but I had to review my past and have a panoramic introspection of those that I have hurt. And I'm certain that I don't, I still don't remember all of them. Some of the pain that I caused others runs deep. I'm certain of that. And, and yet still there are some that I'm never going to be able to address, either because the individual may have passed or if I were to seek out the person um, for my own sake, for my own healing, it would only resurface the other person's pain unnecessarily. But there are ways to find, there are ways to heal ourselves in those situations as well. Um, so I was thinking of when I was, when I was working through my, my little script here, my notes for this episode, I was thinking about the classic, uh, well-known Seinfeld episode where George is, is waiting for somebody to make an amends to him who is going through um, the sobriety program and, and the person actually never comes and, and makes an apology. But um, 
it's hilarious if you, you should see it if you haven't yet. But um, one thing that I uncovered in my self-examination is that I cannot heal from relationships gone wrong if I'm only fixated on my own grievances. If I only look at what that person did to me, then it's never going to be resolved. Every relationship is two-sided. And, and um, this step was one of the few that I procrastinated on for months. And if you remember my episode on procrastination, this is a perfect example of how procrastination is caused by strong emotions that are tied toward tied to a task that you need to do um, and not laziness. So I know that might be controversial, that topic, but I truly believe that procrastination is more so tied to uh, strong emotions than it is laziness. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty adamant about that actually. So, um, another result of this exercise where I'm looking, you know, doing an introspection and looking at my relationships, um, was a clear understanding of how to play the tape forward, meaning pause before I react and think through how my actions and my behavior and my words are going to affect a relationship before I do it. You know, after doing this massive and courageous step, I don't want to just build a whole new list of people that I have hurt, you know. I want to start fresh and I want to be forward accountable, like being accountable before you do something. Uh, forward looking accountable is one way I saw it um, noted on the old interwebs. But um, I have found that I keep my mouth shut a whole lot more than I used to. And it's a lot easier. Some of you who know me may disbelieve that, but <laughs> I do keep my mouth shut a little more than I used to um, in regards to like making comments. I don't need to make a comment all the time. I don't need to be um, in, injecting myself in every conversation. Sometimes it's enjoyable to just sit and watch a conversation unfold in front of you without participating. Um, so it's a lot easier to scrutinize behavior beforehand, you know, before you actually act it out than it is to take ownership of an emotionally driven reaction. And during this phase of recovery when you're doing this introspection we're not actually apologizing to anyone not yet this is just looking inside and yes I had quite a bit of shame that I had to forgive myself for 
Absolutely. And there was even some fear, which is interesting. When I think back, there was fear related to some of the memories of uh, relationships um, or situations that I put myself in that were very dangerous. And all of it, all of it, I was drunk or hungover or, you know, waking up, just waking up and probably still drunk or in a constant haze of intoxication. Um, but I'm learning how to reconcile my past. I'm learning how to not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. This is one of the promises of my sobriety program, meaning that if I'm consistent and work hard at my steps and practice the program in all of my affairs, then these promises come true. And so I have found that they have come true. And one of those things is to not regret the past. Um, there are times that I'm sitting alone and I start almost panicking, thinking, why did I do that? You know, I'll just like get sucked into a memory and my breathing will even shallow. And I like start thinking like, oh my God, why did I do that? You know, but... I have to for, and these are years and years ago that I'm thinking of this stuff from, you know, but it's so, it just causes so much emotion that, um, I have to force myself to take a deep breath in and I have to tell myself, you know, I'm even whispering to myself sometimes, like I'm actually talking to myself and saying, let it go set it free. It does not serve you. You know, it's hard and it takes a lot of practice. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> and sometimes I continue to just feel emotionally spun up. And at those times I call somebody and I talk to somebody, sometimes my sponsor, sometimes, you know, a friend, whoever I trust. And I'll, and I'll talk to them about what it is that's bothering me. I have found that talking to another person really helps me set something free that is trapped inside of my head. You know, I'm spinning on it. It's a hamster on a, on a, on a wheel in my head. And um, sometimes the only answer for me is to actually talk about it. I have found that talking about things is the greatest, I, the number one greatest uh, healing exercise that I can do. And that's hence why we're sitting here right now. <laughs> so once I'm able to get it out of me, then I can accept it. And I can say, yes, this was my past. And it is what led me to where I am today. 
Without that, I wouldn't have this. Without what happened to me then, I wouldn't have what's happening to me now. And what's happening to me now, it may seem terrible depending on your perspective on any given day, but there's a lot of great things in my life and I try to stay focused on that um, because I also know that whatever is happening today is leading me somewhere else too. Um, and I trust that it's going to be a great place, you know, um, because everything is okay right now. And, and I continue to, to reflect on that and feel secure in the fact that everything is okay. Um, so by staying on the beam with emotional and spiritual sobriety, I can have stronger relationships with others because how I view myself reverberates in every interaction I have with other people and affects the quality of all of my relationships. So all of these days that you all are working and I'm on disability and I'm stuck inside these four walls, I understand and believe wholeheartedly that I have got to work on myself every day, all day, to make sure that when you guys get off work and I get to talk to you and interact with you, that I'm able to have strong relationships and great relationships and positive relationships. If I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself and getting hopeless, um, my relationships are going to start suffering as well. So, I just keep plugging away here and um, I've had a growing number of people reaching out to me. So I know I'm in the right place. I know what I'm doing, what I'm, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and my life is aligning and that's because I'm actively engaging with it. I want stroke survivors and recovering alcoholics to find connection and solace. I want, um, I want to build a community. I want people to relate in and contact me, you know, and, and in order for that to keep happening, I need to share the hard stuff and face the difficult feelings head on. I need to emerge from my adversity stronger. I need to be inspiring. And I need to be unafraid to use my voice. It's not easy to confront the past. But honestly, for me lately, sometimes the present is harder. And the present is something we can't avoid because we're right in the middle of it. So our relationships deserve our time. The benefits are exponential when we spend quiet time dedicated to reflecting on understanding than to be understood, having empathy, reflecting on our role in our relationships and forgiveness. And that includes 
not just forgiving others, but forgiving ourselves for some of that stuff that maybe makes you go, oh, I don't know why I did that. Why did I do that? You know, just calm down, calm down. Everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is okay. Um, I needed that in order to have this. So the patience and effort that you put in builds trust and respect in relationships. And I think I grow more when I'm growing alongside someone else who's growing too. And that's why I'm hoping that I can continue to reach others, have others reach out to me, and we can grow together. So thank you for listening today. And I will talk to you tomorrow.